Welcome to the Dollar Sprout Podcast, where it's all about building a business that offers consistent income and flexibility so you can live life on your terms. And now, your host, Megan Robinson. Hey there, welcome back to the Dollar Sprout Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Today's guest is instructional designer Melody Johnson. Melody helps course creators develop customer success strategies that get them more and better customer success stories, aka testimonials. And you know what they say, testimonials are the best marketing material. Online courses and memberships can be a great way to build a flexible lifestyle business. We've already talked about how to launch an online course in a previous episode with Lexi Merritt, but what if you've never created a course before? How do you organize and structure your course content to make sure that the course you create gets your students their desired result? Or if you've already created a course, how do you improve that content so that your customers are getting the results that they want and they're singing your praises and you're getting testimonials and they're referring more and more people to your products and services? The last thing that you want to do is waste time creating a crappy course that no one finishes, that doesn't get results for your students, or worst of all, that your students complain about and ask for refunds for. As an instructional designer and a certified virtual customer success manager, Melody's specialty is helping you get your customers better results. And as I said before, better results equal better testimonials and better testimonials equals more revenue in your business. Okay, so a little bit about Melody before we jump into the show. Melody has a Bachelor of Arts in Theater Arts with a concentration in performance and directing. Super cool. She has a passion for musicals and makes it a point to learn Every new Disney princess song, Me Too, Melody, Me Too, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I'm always over here belting (laughs) the Little Mermaid songs. Um, She also brings that same sassy theatrical excitement to every client and every project. Melody also studied early childhood education and taught young children before going on to get her master's degree in instructional design. She then moved on to corporate training for several years before starting her own business, The Course Consultant, where she helps small business owners create, grow, and scale their online course curriculum. When it comes to course design, Melody is the real deal, and I am so excited and grateful to have her on the show today. Please welcome Melody Johnson, everybody. Hi, Melody. Thanks so much for being on the Dollar Sprout podcast today. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. I want to clear something up right out of the gate, which is a question that a lot of our audience has. Do you have to be an expert in a subject matter in order to create a course on it? Or can you create a profitable course about something that you do as a hobby or something that you're just like not a total expert in? Yeah, great question. So I think that it helps if you know something about the subject, right? It is definitely going to be easier to create the curriculum. It's going to be easier to talk about something that you're very enthusiastic about, interested in, and also knowledgeable about. That being said, you don't need a rocket science degree, a PhD, or any sort of badge or certificate in order to create a profitable course. So yes, you can absolutely talk about something that you do as a hobby, However, it is helpful to know a good deal of information about your topic. Gotcha. Okay. What are some examples of, I guess, quote unquote, hobby courses that you've seen that have been profitable or worked out well? Yeah. So I think that when it comes to the hobby courses, you know, some people really start out doing a hobby course as a practice round. So, you know, some of the students that I worked with inside of some of my online courses and through my curriculum, they started out creating an online course that was a reference to some of their skills. So one of my students was actually someone who had a membership related to creating 
arts and crafts. So specifically, if you think about like Joanne's fabric, she was actually an instructor and she would come in there and teach people how to create these really beautiful crafts. And so she decided to make a membership out of it. And so she actually had a few sales come in pre-selling a membership for her program. Now she's since then created a brand new digital product that's related to a different aspect of her business, which generates revenue for her in multiple ways through her online community. But I do think that for a majority of people, a hobbies course is really just a starter course. I actually find that most of my clients and customers tend to have a focus on business as their way of growing their income. Yeah, that's that's really cool though, that you can, like, you don't have to be an expert to create a course and to have a profitable course. And I know we're here today to talk about course design, but before we get into that, I want to talk about customer success because as an instructional designer and certified virtual customer success manager, your work, it's a big, big title. (laughs) It's a mouthful of a title, but your work focuses a lot on not just creating and designing courses, but making sure that the programs that you create with your clients get their clients the results that they're looking for, which is the customer success part. Besides the obvious ethical reason that you just should care about your customer's success and want to create a course or a program that gets results for your students, those should be a given. Can you explain from a more business-centered perspective why customer success matters, especially for a small business owner or someone who's creating their first course maybe? Yeah, so one of the things that I think is really important to analyze is what people look for is not features and benefits, it's really outcomes, right? So if you have gone through a traditional education route, maybe you've got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, maybe even you've got some sort of certification, what you're looking for is actually an additional outcome. That's to improve your career. That's to generate more revenue. Maybe it's for a more flexible type of career or different work hours. So you can work as an online consultant or do some sort of a product and create a product, right? So regardless of what kind of course that you create, it's important to understand what is the key outcome that you want people to walk away with. With that in mind, and you said it's a mouthful, right? Customer success, what does even that mean? Well, what that really looks at is what is the customer journey from start to finish? How can I help them grow, succeed, and then turn into an advocate, someone who's saying, oh my gosh, you have to go check out this product. You have to go check out this course. I mean, I absolutely go and listen to my friends and my colleagues when I am looking for recommendations. And so that word of mouth referral is so, so very important, especially with social media, right? How many times you see these terrible reviews on Twitter or you see some sort of mad customer saying, I'm not happy with this, I want a refund. And obviously there are gonna be some outliers, but the truth is that if you look at the monetary amount of what it costs to actually acquire customers, so this is something called customer acquisition costs or CIC, that is referring to the cost it actually takes to have someone spend money in your business. Now, Mm. that may not be as much money when you are doing organic marketing efforts like Instagram marketing, Facebook advertisement, or if you are already doing some sort of paid advertisement campaign. So for example, if we look at affiliate marketing, there is actually a commission percentage that comes out of the overall product purchase. If you look at the cost of marketing itself, If you have Canva, that's actually the cost of marketing. If you hire a social media marketing manager or someone else, there's all of these fees that we don't really think about when we're marketing a product or a service. And when you actually have that customer purchase from you, you have to think about what is the average amount that this person will spend? What is the price of the customer lifetime value, also known as LTV? So if you look at the math, you actually find that 95% of I think it's 85 to 95%, I gotta double check my percentages, it's more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to keep the customer that you already have. So as we're bringing this back into curriculum, how do we actually make that work? That's actually to improve the overall retention of that customer so that we can continue with them 
get them to achieve better results and also bring on more revenue and grow our business. So hopefully that helps. And I hope that that answers your question. Yeah, that answers my question. What are the components of creating a really great customer experience besides the ones that you just mentioned? Yeah. So one of the things that I just want to talk a little bit more about is how do we create the curriculum with customer success in mind, right? Because if we know that testimonials are going to generate more word of mouth referrals, if we know that customer lifetime value is going to increase our bottom line and help us to actually decrease overhead marketing costs with constantly trying to replace old customers with new customers, then what we want to do is actually help people break down the content in a meaningful and systematic way. Now, for some people, that means that there's going to be a variety of content, right? So there's going to be maybe some videos. If you have a really big video, such as it's actually really long, let's say, you know, <laughs> 60 plus minutes. You know, I see some of these courses out there that are like, I'm packing my content with lots of quote value and you can't see me because I'm on the podcast, but I'm doing air quotes. The <laughs> truth is that that's so overwhelming. Like how many of you mm -hmm. have purchased a course? You go in, you're like, okay, this is like 20 million hours. And I know you're trying to quote pack the value, but I feel so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start. So first off, let's just break it down, right? So step mm -hmm. one, make it simple. The best thing that you can do is decrease the time in your curriculum. Secondly, we need to actually break it down into what I call milestones. Or if you're a teacher or if you're familiar with teaching and education, these are called learning objectives, right? So this is actually the lessons. This is the how-to. So you're going to break it down into little stepping stones. So for example, one of the examples I give inside of my online course is the example of if I wanted to teach somebody how to create a profitable freelancing business, I wouldn't start by saying, okay, here's 20 things you need to do right now. Instead, I would say, well, what's the first thing I need to actually focus on? Well, we probably need to focus on building a website right? So from the website, what do they need to do? Let's say WordPress. Okay. So now we're going to break it down into the lesson. So here's how to create and host your domain on go. Let's say I'm trying to think of one, a host, right? So WPX is my host. Here's how to host WordPress on WPX hosting, right? So mm -hmm. that is the first lesson, right? And then we get into how do I structure my services? How do I design the website? And you might have multiple different products or roll those products into a membership or a group program or a mentorship where you're walking people through step by step. And I think what the most important thing to do is not to show people you know everything and that you're the bee's knees when it comes to this course. It's more about helping them take that journey from each of the minute success steps so that they feel confident, right? Because hmm. that's really at the end of the day, we want people to feel confident. We want people to feel good. And will they learn everything overnight? No, absolutely not. That's why people pay money for mentors and coaches and masterminds, right? So we want people to feel success because one, it's important for them. And it's also important for you as the business owners so that they give you a good testimonial and they feel that their money was well spent. Yeah. I really like that process of first, you mentioned earlier, figure out what the transformation is, what the outcome is that you want your student to get from your course. And then from there, what are the big milestones that they need to hit in order to achieve that outcome? How, so going back to the outcome for a second, how would you define an outcome? Do you have like a formula, you know, of, I want my student to blank so that they can blank or whatever it is. How, what is a good outcome statement look like? Yes, absolutely, Megan. And I love that you're saying that. I hear some teacher in you. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the way I actually do this is with my students inside of some of my online courses, we, we break it down, right? So let's talk about the big goal, right? So that's actually called a learning goal. I'm going to teach you for a second. I'm going to bring on my whiteboard, okay? okay? So just kidding, you can't see it. So uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take 
the learning goal, if you look, think about this in terms of a dartboard, right? So you have the big circle, right? That mm -hmm. big, big, big outer circle. That's the, the overall goal of the course. My, I want my students to build a successful freelancing business. So again, that's the example I shared earlier. Then we have the smaller goal, which is a smaller circle all the way in. So it's going to take a little bit to visualize this. I do have a visual aid for this, but this is a podcast. So uh, we're going to then take that goal and we're going to break it down into what I call a chapter or a module, right? So then we're mm -hmm. going to say, okay, here's where the outcome of this module, this chapter is going to be. I'm going to show you how to develop a beautifully branded about me section on your website. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then within that little section, there's even a smaller goal and that's the lesson or the learning objective. This would be the video tutorial, the actual PDF handout or whatever activity that's associated with it. So we're breaking it down. And then within that circle, we're saying, again, this is a smaller circle, three circles, big circles, smaller circle, tiny little circle, little lesson here, little baby lesson. And we're, we're telling people, okay, here's how, right? So the outcome mm -hmm. is not I'm going to teach you how to be a successful business owner. That's super vague. What yeah. we're saying instead is here's how to develop your about me section on your website in this three minute video. Okay. It's probably a little longer than that, but that's just an example. So how to step, step, step accomplish. So there's actually a whole A, B, C, D, E process to this. I won't go too much into that because it gets pretty nerdy, but essentially <laughs> we're building out that outcome based off of specific measurable stepping stones that mm. we can teach people to follow in a way that we can actually analyze and review. Because if I said, okay, did you publish your about me page? Someone would say either yes or no. It's not a maybe right? So we want to see yes or no, did they finish this? And then the, the second part would be what we wouldn't want to do, which is often what ends up happening is, were you successful with the course? Well, how do you know? What determines success? Well, you create curriculum that helps to measure success by creating actionable outcomes that people can accomplish. I really like that. Okay. So you have the outcome, or I guess how do you even come up with the overall course outcome? Like, where do you find out what outcome your course should have? Right, right. So I'll kind of walk you through my process and I hope I'm not skipping around too much. But so, so the first thing that I always like to do, and this is again, something that I, I teach my students and my clients is to analyze, right? What mm -hmm. is the problem? There's a, a Japanese quote or concept called Ikigai. And I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but it's basically the culmination of what does the world need? What are you good at? What are people willing to spend? And then within that, you basically have your product or your service or whatever you want to do that will help you sustain your, your livelihood and you feel good doing it. So what you do is you want to analyze, how do I create content that will help somebody achieve a goal? And how does that relate to the skill set that I have? Now, I love musical theater. I am a singer. I love singing Disney. Hmm. Does it pay the bills for me? Absolutely <laughs> not. Will, people, will some people pay me money to do it? Possibly. I found actually much more profitable for me to do something that aligns my education, my experience, my background into what I am doing now. And so to find the outcome, I need to look at the customer. What mm. questions are people asking for? Can I go on a competitor's website and look, oh, people are asking these questions. And again, I'm not copying, I'm simply researching. So we're analyzing what are people looking for and how can I help? Okay. Then we do this process called define, right? Define and refine. It's kind of coming together. We define the outcome of the course. So-and-so is asking, how do I create a successful blogging based business so I can build a more flexible lifestyle brand so I can retire early, right? So that's one kind of outcome that someone really wants very broad mm -hmm. and then we say oh they have a question specifically on 
how do I generate revenue and build a brand and my business using, you know, search engine optimization. Okay. So that's a little bit more specific there. So then we go into what is my skill set around SEO? And then you can go on and say, you know, I am blah, 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 SEO expert. And I've, you know, learned and, or just, you know, you're from a personal approach. Okay. Well, I like using this approach and these are the softwares that I use. And so now, now we actually start to refine it. And we're like, I know that the first lesson I want to teach is how to optimize your blog post with a Yoast plugin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's very basic. And, and of course, I know some people are listening who are SEO experts are cringing when I say Yoast. They're just like, they're rolling over in their graves. They're thinking, oh my goodness, you don't know, know anything about SEO. <laughs> um, but um, that's just an example, right? So we're going to create then refine that online curriculum. We're going to then uh, build out the lesson plan. Okay. We've got the modules, got the chapters refine, def define, refine. Then we actually put all the lessons together. We develop the online content. It's going to get better over time and you can pre-sell it, but even before you develop it, that's a whole separate topic. And then you actually launch, you develop all these marketing assets, you start marketing it and you start selling it. So that is the process that I follow. And normally it becomes a cyclical cycle where <laughs> someone will actually go from the top, analyze, define, develop, test, launch, go back into a secondary process. It's an iterative process. And I think a lot of people don't realize that your first course is going to not be as good as your 13th course. And mm -hmm. when you become an expert at doing anything, the only way to get better is to fail. So don't be afraid of failing get out there and go sell something, make it better, improve your customer experience and start generating more repeat customers. You'll truly, truly see a difference in the way that you run your business and the calm that you see on a day-to-day -day operation. Yeah. How big of an outcome do we need to have in order to, you know, have enough to create a course from? Hmm. Interesting. So I think when we look at the, the outcome, we want to be super small. There's nothing mm -hmm. bad with having a small win. So I don't, I actually prefer people to start small, especially when they're trying to create an online course or they're planning something and they tend to get, you know, overwhelmed with all the steps involved, which is totally understandable. But what we want to do is actually think what is the easiest way then I can get this off my plate. For some people that might be a 90 minute masterclass session where you teach it live and it's a workshop and it's paid. For some people, mm -hmm. it's actually just selling it via email marketing and then you're going to actually develop it and release it over time. Some people, you know, they say, I just wanna give it away for free. I don't recommend that, but I know some of my customers and clients prefer to do it that way. So I do think it, it the outcome is going to be very specific. It can be small, it can be big, but in my opinion, I think smaller is better because it, it brings and lends itself to more ease. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so part of the inspiration for that question was I used to have a business doing financial coaching. And I remember there was one point in time where I really wanted to create a course and I got so overwhelmed because I wanted the outcome of the course to be that people had control of their finances or something very vague like that. And I just got so overwhelmed thinking, okay, well, I need to have content on budgeting and investing and paying off debt and all of this in one course, because if people can do like a little bit of all of that, they're definitely going to feel more confident. But so it sounds like, it sounds like if I had approached it from, you know, accepting that a smaller outcome is not only acceptable, but sometimes even more helpful because it's just more digestible for a person to go through like a course on how to budget or how to pay off debt or just one of those topics would have been enough or even like how to budget with a specific method. Mm -hmm. I'm just reflecting. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a learning process. And I'm going to be honest with you, Megan, I has to, actually used to be a financial coach myself. So I'm no longer doing that business. But you know, it, it was I had very similar experience. I thought to myself, Okay, well, where do I, 
you know, actually start this process? How do I put this information together? And that's with me knowing years of experience teaching. And so I was overwhelmed Mm -hmm. thinking, how do I even put this together? Where do I start? There's so much. I can't even break this down yet. And so, you know, I I think what you said is true, right? So we, we look at it and we think I have to be X, Y, and Z. That's what success looks like. But in reality, you know, nobody said you had to go on the freeway at 65 miles an hour when you're just on trying to go through driver's ed, right? Like nobody yeah. said you had to do that. Get out there, go to driver's ed, get a couple reps in, and then you can get on the freeway, right? You don't need to freak yourself out, get on the freeway, and then get super anxious. Yeah, exactly. Do you mind to talk a little bit about what a mini course is? Because you have a, a product called um, the digital... Oh, the digital product toolkit. I don't have it right in front of me. Is that the correct name? Please correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're you're right. Yeah, the the digital product toolkit is perfect for people who are just starting out who want to create a mini course about a specific subject and they are absolutely petrified of creating a signature course. <laughs> So if that sounds like someone out there, it's a great product. But basically what I recommend people do is a mini course specifically is going to have a very small, minute outcome. And it's Mm -hmm. normally something that can be accomplished within a shorter period of time. A mini course does not have to be a set amount of curriculum. It can literally be a 10 minute video and a PDF handout. Or it could literally Hmm. be just a handout that's like a digital download. And so if you want to start selling quickly and you're petrified of spending hours, weeks, or months planning this big, massive signature course, then I recommend putting out a mini course. Why? Because it's quicker to develop. It's faster to validate, meaning I know if I'm going to put out a 10 to 15 minute video and a couple templates, I can see if this is going to be profitable by determining how many people actually bought this product. Is it even worth it to build out a full sales page? Is this something that I should build up over time? And once I see a few sales come in, I can analyze and say, oh, there is a market for this. There is Hmm. going to be a new product for this. Maybe it's going to lead into a one-on-one service. Maybe it's going to lead into a bigger course, maybe a group program or a membership or whatever it is that I want to sell next, then we can determine to create a full offer suite or product lineup that will align with the overall audience that we're trying to serve. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, that does help. Can you give examples of what are some outcomes that you've seen of successful mini courses? And then also, what's the price point for a mini mini course that people should aim for? Yeah, this is a really great question. And so so some examples that I've seen from my students, uh, one of the students that I actually brought up earlier, Kim, Kim actually started out with just a, a hobby course, and then she graduated into her next course in her in the most recent live round of the digital product toolkit. And she created this mini course called pitch to get booked on a podcast, which was wonderful. It's a mini course. It's like 37 or $47. And it had a set outcome. It had email templates on how to reach out to podcast hosts to get booked on a podcast without being spammy or weird. And also it had step-by-step video tutorials on how to organize some important assets to share with your podcast host that you're going to pitch to. And so that has a very clear outcome. I know exactly what I'm getting. It's solving this very small, but something that I relate to as a problem. And then I understand what I am paying money for. Now, there's a lot of talk about what should I price my product as and how will that help me grow my business? So there's two things that I like to consider when it comes to pricing and everyone has different thoughts on the actual number itself. But what I really want people to understand is what is more important, volume or more support? So for example, like if I wanted to have a a lot of money come in for my online course and my product is selling at $47, I need a lot of volume. If I need a lot of volume, that means I need to have a higher amount of people who purchase the product for me to reach my revenue goal. Now, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to have a larger course or program or service or something that's more higher touch, I need low volume 
but it's going to be high effort and high energy. And so you can couple your course with a service or something else that you offer in your business to help determine what is going to be best for you. And honestly, for some people, it's actually the services. They're going to go high touch because they want to actually generate more revenue on the front end and they don't have the traffic yet to support a high volume product. And then they pair up the service with a course, right? So it, it definitely does not have to be exclusive to one another. It is something that I recommend people do. So to answer your question, what's the price? Well, it's up to you. What is your mm -hmm. revenue goal? How many people do you need to actually book to make that revenue goal possible? And then if you wanted to do a mini course, you could do 47 to $97. But again, it really depends on what that revenue goal is. Yeah. Um, how long should we be planning to spend on putting a mini course together? Yeah, so I think that is a largely dependent on your audience size. So if you're starting out brand fresh new and you don't have an email list, you don't have an audience and you don't have the revenue to generate sales from uh, paid advertisement strategies, it's going to take longer because you need to build up the audience. So I would say mm -hmm. anywhere between three to six months. But again, you know, maybe you already have a couple thousand subscribers, then I don't recommend doing that. I recommend just jumping in and I would recommend four to six weeks in planning time. But if you are someone who is like, for example, I have friends and we have gone through different journeys in our business and we have launched products over a week. So, you know, it really yeah. just depends on your, your comfort level of it not being polished. So if you are a polished person and you don't feel comfortable sharing a product that isn't polished to its fullest, then maybe you want a little longer time. If you thrive off of spontaneity and you are fine with it being less polished and you want to improve it over time and you're fine with pre-selling, then absolutely, you know, you're going to take less time. So, you know, probably two to three weeks. Some people even take less than that. That makes me a little nervous, but some people are like that. So totally space for both. Yeah. I have a question about creating your actual course content. I attempted to create a course a while back and I felt like every single lesson had to be video. And I know you mentioned this earlier that um, there are options. You can have, you know, video lessons, text lessons, recordings just like this. How do you know which lessons should be videos which ones can be texts and which ones might just be like a download, a workbook or something? Yeah. So I think the answer to that question is what do your students need to see and do to feel successful? So mm -hmm. if I were to tell you, I'm going to show you how to create and design a beautiful website with only audio, what would your reaction be? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> 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 right. So immediately we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, that sounds very technical. I need somebody to walk me through visually. Right. So that's mm -hmm. what I would say. Okay. So, so, so that very technical things that step-by-step -step processes uh, and steps, I recommend visual. If mm -hmm. it is a strategy or a mindset thing, you can absolutely do audio or a workbook or a template. I think that's fine. If you, if you look at it from a learning perspective, there are so many ways that you can teach. There's not a right or wrong way. I remember one of my physics teacher actually showed us this example of centri centrifugal force. Mm. And he was just such a storyteller. And he would show us by visually showing this, like, I think it was a yo-yo. And he would do all of these different tricks with the yo-yo. And he would show us all these things. And then he would explain, this is what centrifugal force is. Mm. And I just remembered, I actually hated the concept. I hated the topic, but it was super <laughs> interesting when he was teaching. And I thought to myself, wow, he used storytelling. He used this visual aid, this guide, you know, so it really just depends on your personal teaching style, how mm. it relates to the curriculum itself. Like, does it lend itself to more visual does it lend itself to more audio? Is this something that I could just show people a template and, you know, record a quick loom video? So it's absolutely up to you as a teacher to create the content and what you feel is easy and, and helpful for your students. Yeah. 
Okay. So going back to customer success, how, what are some ways that we can implement customer success strategies, make sure that students in our online course are getting the results that, you know, the course promises without spending all of our time managing our customers' success, especially if we want to have a lower touch program. And I know you mentioned like breaking things down very, you know, step by step so that it's easy to follow. Are there any other strategies, any other tools that we can use to automate some of this or to motivate people to finish our course? Yeah, absolutely. So I always recommend people start with an onboarding email sequence. So similar to mm -hmm. a welcome sequence, if you're brand new to email marketing, it's basically a series of emails that you send to people to help people outline a specific action or to find it helpful. When you do post-purchase uh, automations, meaning when somebody actually purchases your course, you're going to walk them through a couple of things. Number one, most frequently asked question, how do I access the course? That's going to be number one email. The second thing that you want to share is what's the first step they need to take, right? So then you probably link back to a specific lesson. When I first start talking about XYZ topic, the first lesson I recommend people watching is this, watch this first. Then I also recommend having little milestones. So depending on if it's a mini course, you, you really don't need a full onboarding sequence. In my opinion, it's probably a little overkill. You could if you wanted to, but you mm -hmm. probably don't. If it's a signature course, a group program or a membership, that's very different. And that's what I help my one-on-one -on -one clients with. That is because there's a much more comprehensive curriculum. It's often what I consider a buffet when it really should be this beautiful dining course experience with seven meals. And we want to start walking them through what the milestones are. Step one, mm -hmm. step two, step three, step four, especially if you're paying on a monthly recurring basis. Um, but if going back to your question, how do you uh, create that onboarding to automate it? Email sequences are one. Second way is you can actually create some help desk articles and tutorials specifically pertaining to how to access your course with your course platform. Again, that's one of the most frequently asked questions that people ask. And I will tell you, I've sold products and it's like six to eight months later, someone emails me and says, hey, I don't know where to find the course. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, good thing. I have an article for you. This is how to access the course. There's a Loom video attached and there's directions and there's screenshots. So very hmm. simple thing to record. And I use a software called Talk. That's T-A-W-K dot T-O, and it is a free help desk software. So if you're familiar with help desk software, it's probably the thing that you see the little chat bubble in those software companies like mm. Intercom or Help Scout. Those kinds of softwares normally run hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to run. And if you're a small business owner, you probably don't have that kind of revenue. Mm. If you do, then we should probably talk. <laughs> but we, we, we definitely think that it's just like a really easy, simple process. Set up that help desk software, add a couple of frequently asked questions. Number one, where do I access my course? Number two, you can also set up a automatic email sequence to request for a testimonial. And then you can add that to the sequence. Mm. Mm, yeah. Very important. Thank you so much. Those are all, that's very helpful. Last question I have for you before we move into our slow round. How should bonuses play into our course design? Should we have them? And how do we know what kind of bonuses to include in our course? Yeah. So I think bonuses are what I refer to as something that helps fence sitters go over to the other side of the fence. And so I have been, and I, I am, you know, perpetual course buyer. <laughs> yeah, me and too. So, yeah, just loving all the courses. And I'm like, oh, wow, I spent that much on courses last year. Ooh, yep. <laughs> okay. So, you know, perpetual course buyer here. And when I look at the bonuses, those are often the things that I find most valuable. To be honest <laughs> with you. So I will look at it and say, okay, what is the outcome of the course? Do I need this outcome? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, then I would look at what are the features and benefits and then also what are the bonuses? And so the bonuses are strategically created to help provide an extra incentive for people who are already interested in the topic to help them cross over the line. And so often I find that templates and resources that will help someone implement 
on the actual training itself are really great bonuses. But I've also seen people just, you know, have an extra training, you know, maybe a 30 minute training from like an, a guest expert, or maybe just a related course or product that um, they pulled out of a different course, and they added that into the course as a bonus, and it's only available in, in this product. Um, and it really just depends on, you know, who is your customer, what they're needing help with, and how quickly can you get them to accomplish that goal, especially within the solo entrepreneur space. I work with a lot of teams, but, you know, solo entrepreneurs just love something quick and easy, something they can do in 10 minutes or less. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I'm going to move on to our slow round. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Okay. So our slow round is inspired by Mike Berbiglia, who is my favorite comedian of all time. Don't know if you're familiar, but oh yeah. I love Mike Berbiglia so much. I saw him live last month. It was the best moment of my life. (laughs) No. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like a lightning round, but slower, you could say. So my first question for you is what are bad recommendations that you hear in your niche or business area of expertise? Yeah. So the phrase build it and they will come very Uh, bad recommendation. mm -hmm. I don't recommend building it and they will come. I recommend selling it and Mm -hmm. then they will buy. So you can decide whether or not it's worth your time, energy, and effort to build something and then determine if it's worth your your effort. Yeah. So you're talking about pre-selling? Yeah. You know, and I I think it goes really with anything. If you are creating a product, I, I recommend just going MVP, minimum viable product. So my first digital product was actually a couple of Google document templates and I sold it for $19 and then Mm. I kept improving it. And then it built out into this larger course and a larger framework. I built an agency around it and, and then, you know, now has have migrated into more of a consultancy. And so that is what I recommend is really just evaluating what does the customer want before you make anything? What does the customer want? What are they willing to buy? And also what's the price that we need to sell this at to make it validated so that we can improve the product and, and the overall customer experience over time. So don't build it and they will come. You should actually figure out what you're going to make if somebody actually wants to buy it before you sell it. So, and yes, you said, is it, are you referring to pre-selling? Yeah, you could absolutely call that pre-selling if you want to actually sell the masterclass before you make it to see if it's actually worth it to create a whole sales page. Yeah. I really like that. I love it when people talk about just when people make things simple, so simple, like you saying that you sold your first digital product, which was some Google Doc templates for $19. That gives me so much more confidence and makes me feel so much more at ease for you know the possibility of being able to just do something simple and sell it online, see if it works and not have to yeah. you know invest months of time into mm-hmm. creating something to sell. Second question for our slow round, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in your business? It could be an investment of money, time, energy, or something else. Yeah. So I think one of the most worthwhile investments I've made in my business has been one-on-one mentorship. And Mm -hmm. I did that earlier on in my business where I was looking for someone to just guide me through the process of how do I organize specifically my social media marketing for my business? How do I um, communicate with people that feels like something that I could do without feeling spammy or weird? I really want to have genuine relationships. And so mentorship and one-on-one coaching have just been truly a, a very worthwhile investment. Over time, I've also had to say that group programs have been really beneficial. I've been in several over the years and having that community around me has been just so supportive. And I think that I've developed lifelong friendships from some of these memberships and group programs and and colleagues that I can talk to about how the business is doing and what I can do differently and how we can support each other. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately in changing my business from financial coaching to online business management. I've been looking for 
online communities. And you're talking about like paid mentorships and stuff, masterminds and all of that. Facebook groups also can be a great space to find community. You have a free Facebook group. Uh, if you want to like talk a little bit about that or any tips that you have for finding community online. Yeah. Yeah. So finding community online is really important. And the number one reason why is feedback and community. And most recently I interviewed another guest on my podcast about this specific topic. And one of the things mm. he said, which was really poignant was that people come for the content, but they'll stay for community. And I think that's really true for really any kind of online space. So if you're selling a product or a, a program or a service, people might really look to you and really want to learn the curriculum or the content or dive deep into a subject because it interests them. But what will be the, the key differentiator is what is the experience that that person has? What is the actual community that you've created and how can we relate to people in a meaningful and impactful way? There's a, a common quote that's stated very often is people won't really care what you know. They will really mostly care about the way that they treat you. And I, I totally botched that. It's terrible. But you know, <laughs> They will really care about the way that you're treated. They will care about the way you communicate with them. And, and then they'll think, oh, okay, you're really helpful. I really want to connect up with you. Um, so yes, I do have a free Facebook group and inside the Facebook group, we're actually going through some, some great resources for established course creators who are looking to scale up using a tool that I use called ClickUp. And I'll be going over some customer success strategies. There's some great connections there. I do share a lot of personal things about my life as well in there, just because I'm an open book and I just feel more open in that group to just share about my personal life and what I'm up to and my business. And it's a great space of other online course creators who are looking to take their step into the next phase in their business. And there's a couple of people in there too who are brand new to course creation. All are welcome. People across the world are in that group. And it's just a, a blast to, to see when people make connections. I do also have other resources available where I connect up with people on my free live streams. So every Friday I do a live stream and I talk about a specific subject, free podcast, free YouTube channel. So lots of free things that you can check <laughs> out. If you're just getting started with course creation or again, uh, more established in your business and you want to actually scale up to build out that successful group program with better results. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll definitely link to your Facebook group and other freebies that you have in the show notes for this episode. Last question that I have for you for the slow round in the last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life and or business? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that for me, it's probably establishing the fact that life is more than business. Mm. And I think that when I first started, it was just about generating revenue. It was just about hitting that big financial goal that I wanted to achieve in my business. And then once I started generating, you know, $20,000 months, I was just exhausted. I was tired. I did not want to continue the way I was mm. running my business. I kind of fell out of love with my business for a while. And I, I wanted to rekindle that desire and passion that I had of originally starting my business instead of feeling like I created my own terrible cubicle in the pandemic inside my house. So yeah. I, I decided that, you know, I wanted to create more space and, and that's how courses have really helped me. It's built more space into my life. It's built more space that I can actually adopt. It's built more ability so that I'm not constantly worrying about checking on one-on-one -on -one client work. And though I do still have a mix of services and products in my, in my uh, offer suite, I think it's really important to design your business around your life rather than design your life around your business. And so many successful entrepreneurs will tell you that once you hit, you know, a certain income, you're going to want to look at developing a positive 
and sustainable process that will keep you going instead of burning out wanting to sell the business or worse, just never moving forward and just quitting. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing for so many people to to not focus, I guess, all of your time and attention on your business as an entrepreneur because it feels like sur- survival. <laughs> I mean, when you're running your own business, you have to be making money to survive. And sometimes it feels like if you stop, you're not going to make money. So right. yeah, I'm glad you were able to find that and create space for yourself in your business. Where can our audience learn more about you, find out more about you. Obviously your Facebook group is a great place anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So you can head on over to my website at www.thecourseconsultant.com. There's some great trainings and resources there, including access to my YouTube channel, also my blog posts with past podcast episode with other course creator interviews. And of course, um, you can reach out to see if I have availability for services or access to some of my membership communities. So Great resources there at www.thecourseconsultant.com. And like you said, the free Facebook group is also available in case you have questions. I'm really open. So if you have questions, you can reach out to me on Facebook DM. My Facebook personal profile is kind of my secondary living room, if you will. You can kind of (laughs) hang out with me, see what I'm up to in my life and my business. So I'd welcome you to come join me in my digital living room. (laughs) And I would love to connect up with anyone who's listening that has questions about this concept for customer success and improving uh, curriculum online. Yeah. And what's the name of your free Facebook group again? Yep. It's called Inspired Courses. And so I'll share that link with you, but it's facebook.com slash group slash inspired courses, and you'll get access to join lots of video trainings in there and lots of helpful little how-to guides and resources. So hopefully you can hop on over and join me online. I'd love to see you. Well, thank you so much for being here, Melody. This was a great conversation and really appreciate you lending your expertise to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Huge thank you to Melody for being on this episode of the Dollar Sprout Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to follow the podcast in whatever app you're using to listen to the show now. And if you really enjoyed the episode, then go ahead and leave us a rating or review. Let us know that you enjoyed it. This will be the last interview episode for season one of the Dollar Sprout Podcast, but we will be back with one more solo episode to kind of wrap up the season. So leave us a rating and review or comment if you're listening to this on the website. Let us know what you loved about this season. Let us know what you would like to see next season. And as always, thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.